we always think we have to do the big things or it's always, but it's just the little things, just a bunch of flowers or, you know, candy or something, just a surprise. Welcome back to the Ambitious Life Podcast. I'm your host, Dusty DeGroff. How do you view money? How do we make our marriage last more than 30 years? These are just a few of the questions that Andrew Swenson and I tackled in episode 10. Not only that, we tackle what it's like to go back to school after 40, how not to be a fixer, what he's learned from life's twists and turns, and how we should always find new hobbies. And one of my favorite topics. When we look back, we realize the little things in life are truly the most important memories. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes released every Thursday. And if you find this podcast useful, please leave a review so we can share these important messages. Thanks for listening. Here we go. As dads, we have a ton of priorities that pull us in many different directions. We are not alone in this. And because of that, we should share what works and what doesn't work. We need to be our best selves first. Then we can be the best husbands and dads that we can be. The best way to share these tips is through the Ambitious Life Podcast. My guest today is Andy Swinson, CFO, Principal at Thiel Brand Design and Company. Welcome, sir. Well, I'm honored to be here, Dusty. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this. Absolutely. You're so welcome. So I know who you are from engaging on LinkedIn and stuff like that, but, but tell the wonderful people out there who you are and what you do. Well, I've got an interesting journey. Uh, right now, I'm the CFO and partner in a branding marketing design firm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and the only financial guy and a bunch of designers. So coming from a CPA firm before this, it sure was a shift, and I love my job. My brain does not work the same way the rest of the team's brain works, and I come in here every day just in awe of the things they can do, and it just makes life so much fun. That, that's so amazing. And uh, what part of the country are you in? Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the Midwest, right on good old Lake Michigan. I love it. And I'm, I'm sensing a little bit or hearing a little bit of an accent. So is, are you a native? I'm native, born and raised here, yeah. Okay. Hey, <laughs> I get Michigan it. For a little bit. So it really didn't move too far. <laughs> I, I love that. I'm a, a native of Colorado. And so, you know, I, I understand where people don't move too far away. You know, we love it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, right on. So you were in the, the, you are in the financial space, but you're with a new, you know, branding company and things like that. How did you get to that point? Oh, well, let's see, right out of college, back in the 80s, before we had podcasts and internet and things like that, I graduated with an econ degree and ended up in retail. And I still, still love retail. I just, it's just a lot of fun and one of those careers that it's always changing. There's nothing ever new the same day. But I worked for a company, it was a small lumber yard at the time around here called Menards. And Menards Cashway Lumber worked my way up and actually became a store manager in Kalamazoo, Michigan. That's where we live in Michigan. They wanted me to move to St. Paul, Minnesota. And at that point, we had just had our first child. He was eight months old. He's now 26. And 
we just, my wife and I just sat and talked. It's like, this isn't what we want to do. We don't want to be moving around every few years. And that's the problem with big box retail is that you move around. So my family, uh, my dad was an independent pharmacist, owned a couple of pharmacies in the Milwaukee area. So we moved back and actually ended up selling the pharmacies and opening up Hallmark Gold Crown stores. So at one point we had 10 stores in the Milwaukee area. Did fairly well with them. And like I said, that was just, a, that was a blast. A lot of hard work, a lot of long, long hours, missed a lot of Christmas moments, as you can imagine in Hallmark. <laughs> you know, that was our time. But the late 2000s hit, 2007, 2008, and needless to say, when the economy goes south, the first thing people stop buying is trinkets and things that we sell. Uh, we actually were able to sell, sell some of the stores and close the others. And then my wife and I got the one, had the wonderful conversation of, now what? Yes. I'm 42, 43, so retirement's kind of out of the question. <laughs> Kids are heading into high school, which you will find out down the road. That is probably the yep. most expensive point for kids. Yeah. All their activities, food, and college on the horizon. So my wife looks at me, bless her heart, and says, you always enjoy the accounting side of the business. You're the one that dealt with the CPAs. You're the one that did the sales tax, did the payroll taxes. Why don't you go back and get your master's in accounting and get, it, get your CPA? So in the mid forties, I got to go back to college. Awesome. I'll tell you what, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. It, I would recommend that for anybody. It was so much fun. Needless to say, the priorities when you're in your mid forties with a family is a lot different than when you're 18, 19, 20. <laughs> yes. Hundred percent. Yes, and it, but it was just an incredible experience. You know, I'm still close to a group of friends I made there that we were all kind of in the same position, going back through in our midlife. Uh, I don't know if we call it crisis or not, but it was just just midlife. A lot of fun. Did very well and graduated and hooked up with a couple CPA firms. And the last firm I was at four years ago, the partner Cheryl Meyer came in and said, Andrew got this great client. It's going to be perfect for you. You know, so I want you to, you and I will go down there on a Sunday. They're having an issue with their controller. We need to meet off hours. So the rest of the staff doesn't know what's going on. Come on down and you know, we'll start working on them right away. It was everything from forensic accounting to helping set get their payroll going to setting up policies and procedures. Little did she know how perfect it was because a year later they offered me a full-time job to come on <laughs> as their controller. Since then, we've uh, bought out the original owners of John and Noreen Thiel, hence the name. And uh, in 2018, they decided they wanted to retire, and we bought them out. And I became one of the partners. So it's a long, twisted road, but uh, it's mine. <laughs> hey, own it. You know, that's what I always say is no one else could be us. So we might as well be the best version of us. And everything that has happened up until this point uh, is gotten us here and who we are. So I love it. Um, I really love though, that you went from the corporate space to, you know, franchises. I don't know if that's what Hallmark is, but it sounds like franchises. Yes, technically they're not because they're trying to get along the, around the franchise law, but yes, they are. It basically okay. Perfect. My word, not yours. And then now you're in a, a one-stop shop. So what's the biggest difference between that, those two spaces? Autonomy. 
the fact that when we, you know, we own our own stores, yes, but you had to follow the Hallmark rules. If you wanted to be have the Gold Crown designation, which there were a lot, obviously a lot of benefits, advertising dollars and that to go along with, you had to follow their rules, you had to do things kind of their way. So even though technically you're the owner, you'd, you know, you still have to follow their rules. And in here, and that's what I love about being an entrepreneur, you know, it's, it, live or die by your own work. You know, it, you're similar to that too. It's, you know, get out what you put in. And if you make a decision and you, and it doesn't work, well, you move on and you find out what does work. And I just love the fact that, you know, the four of us, my partners and I, is, you know, it's us, we make it or break it. So we surround ourselves with incredible people, incredible talent here, but still, all comes down to our decisions and our goals and what we want to take the company. And what I also love too that you mentioned in there that I'm going to call out is, and the reason I'm standing here today doing the, the podcast thing, being a financial advisor and everything like that is, you know, my wonderful spouse, my wife, who same thing. She said, hey, I think you need to be home more. I think you need to see your kids more. Why don't you change careers? And you did something similar. So what was that, you know, you kind of mentioned what that conversation was like, but does those conversations happen a lot or? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously Patty and I make decisions on our own, you know, together. We don't do anything just on our own. No, but that, that obviously was a big one. It's okay. How, how do we, you know, it basically comes down to how are we going to support our lifestyle that we want? Because <laughs> We didn't want to go back to big, you know, I could go back to big box retail. I could go to a Kohl's and Target, you know, gotten a job, but that's not the life we want. Yeah. Sure, we can support our kids and they get an education. And But we wanted, we loved our neighborhood. We loved where we were. We didn't want to keep moving around. And like you said, I couldn't have done it without her. I mean, yeah. when you think about it, we had three kids. I was working full-time still, going to school nights, and studying on weekends, I mean, she was doing everything else. And bless her heart, you know, it's gotten us to where we are now, but I, I just, she was a rock. I mean, she always has been in my, my life, so. I, I'm gonna throw this out right now. This is not a normal question, but since you threw that out, I'm coming up on 13 years with my wife. What is the biggest piece of advice you can give us, you know, youngins in the marriage world? You know. In our church one year, a couple was celebrating 60 years of, of life together. <clears throat> and the wife, had, the husband stood up to kind of give a little spiel. And he said they were out to dinner a couple nights earlier. And he asked his wife, honey, was there ever any time that you wanted to leave me? Wanted a divorce? And she looked up at him and said, divorce, no. Kill you, yes. But divorce, no. <laughs> And I thought Love that's you know, it's, it's the perfect way. Yeah, you're going to get mad at each other. You're going to have times where you just don't want to even look at each other. But the foundation of love and trust and is is there, and you know that's that'll overcome anything. And you know, as you know, listening, I'm finding that out more and more. That one thing I need to work on is just listening. I don't have to fix everything. I I'm a fixer, and I think a lot of guys are. Yes, <laughs> but a lot of times. They don't want things fixed. They just want to be heard or want to listen to. So 
I think that's a, a great thing too. And, and one of the quotes that I always remind myself of is you, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. And I think you're right that I'm a fixer too. And sometimes I've started just going, Hey, what, what's the best way I can support you? I have all this list of all the things and all the things, all the stuff I can fix or I want to try to fix, but what do you need? And the other quote, as I was listening to that story is, you know, you, you trust her just like I trust my wife and, you know, behind every good man is a great woman. And I think that you'd agree with that. And so I want to, I want to go back a little bit when you mentioned something too, because going to grad school, having three kids, I know she was taking care of them, but doing all of those things running. And were you still running the, the Hallmark stores at that point? Right. We were in the process of shutting them down. So. Okay. So a lot going on. How the heck did you stay organized? And second question, or uh, in addition to that, is what what did you learn then that makes you a, a better leader now? I guess the, the number one thing I learned is that I can do it. I can handle it. You know, sometimes, you know, self-doubt and all that is just, you know, and, I, you know, I've led a great life. Uh, I've had... You know, especially these daughters. So that has shown me over the years that, you know, we can handle, no matter what we think we can handle, we usually can. As far as staying organized, to be honest, I mean, I, it was my dad and my brother. So I had trust in them, you know, to kind of pick up some of the slack because I'm, I'm sure I wasn't as effective as I would have been <laughs> without going to school, but it was just it's the CPA in me. I'm just, you know, very, very anal. Everything's got to be very organized. I hate a messy desk. Uh, and I guess it's just who I am. And I, you know, to be honest, I don't even know how to answer that because I, I just was, and it just kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's all just did. Right. And <laughs> Hey, I don't think that there's necessarily a, a right or wrong answer in that space. I just, I'm always curious on, you know, how people, get through busy times in their life. So I think that that's great. And what does a, you know, do you have a morning routine or an evening routine? What does that look like? I really don't. And the reason is, is our daughter. Uh, we have a okay. 20 year old who is severe special needs, uh, came down with epilepsy at about seven months old. And just, I mean, even yesterday, we woke up at about quarter to five with her having a seizure. So as far as a, as a set routine, we never know what's going to happen. We, we really have to live, you know, I don't want to say we live day by day because we plan and all that, but you know, as far as having a set routine, try to get her to school by 8.15. We're usually pretty good that way, but in the, the mornings are about her, making sure she's got her medicine, making sure she's eating, and my wife dressed for the weather and that. So that's... that's uh, Really, you know, when that happened in 2001, it just refocuses everything. You know, she's definitely a blessing. I wouldn't trade her for anything. She's one of the happiest, lovingest kids you'll ever meet. Uh, but yeah, we, we had our challenges. So, and that just makes what my wife did when I went back to school even all the more incredible. So, absolutely. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. And what, what makes me smile is that everybody, you know, if you were to Google, you know, self-improvement or, you know, anything along those lines, what you're going to find is, hey, here are the five things that you should get up and do in the morning. You need to meditate, you need to work out, you need to have this much water, you need to, you know, do all these things. 
which sounds wonderful, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that is going to create the successful day. So the mornings are a hundred percent for you or for your daughter and the family and things like that. Do you have time? What I call me time. Do you have a workout time? What does that look like? I wish I had workout time. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's, I guess it was one thing if I look back over my life and then, you know, I don't want to say disappointed, but I, I could change uh, is my health and my workout. That was one thing in college I let slide and I, I'm working to get back into it. Uh, yep. Started working, doing yoga and that. Uh, it's a lot of it's at lunch here. I make sure I take an hour lunch. Uh, we're Good. right on the lake, uh, Milwaukee River. You also got a river walk, lakefront. Yeah, so I try to get at least a half hour, 45 minutes, even up to an hour of walk-in every day. Sweet. Or you know, just as much mental health as uh, physical. But uh, yeah, so I, love the, I would love to get back into working out or at least a, somewhat of a routine. You know, obviously we have a dog, so that does help. <laughs> she yep. uh, make sure at least get her out for a walk at least once a day. Uh, Good. And... You know, I used to hunt a lot, used to fish a lot, things like that. I love the outdoors, so that would always get you out walking and that. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but as far as just a, a workout routine, no, that I don't have. Well, I think, though, that you're, you're still getting, you know, I use a workout for my me time because I always say that, it, you know, when I spend 30 minutes to an hour in the gym, it's it just kind of frees my mind and gets my aggression out, so to speak. Right. Um, I'm also fortunate that, that is in my basement. Um, so I don't have to go very far for it. So, and I, I totally get it, but I think that just being physically active, like you said, getting out there and doing walks is the, the mental space, you know, where, hey, we can just kind of clear our heads and things like that. Um, I'm always curious, do you have a, a meditation practice? I'm starting to, I'm learning yoga. And love it. Trying to get, you know, become more meditative. It's being, from the upbringing I was, have been, you know, that was never any, it was never really a part of your routine. It was never part, it wasn't even talked about. I mean, you know, as a child of the 60s and 70s, you know, the meditation kind of became the, you know, the hippie thought now is more of the fringe element. Now it's, you know, and it's too bad because we could have learned a lot from them and we might not be in the place we are now if we listened to them back then. <laughs> <laughs> Hours uh, on that, so we don't go down that rabbit hole. But for no, sure. you know, I am trying to get. I'm realizing that it is a big part. You, know, you need release. You need, and then, you know, maybe not meditation, just hobbies, things that you know, get yeah. your mind in a different spot. Uh, one thing I've always enjoyed is astronomy, and there's really nothing like looking at the stars and galaxies and things, you know, millions, trillions of miles away to kind of readjust where you are and you think you're important, you know. Get a little too big in your britches, so to speak, it does take you back. <laughs> no, it's so true. And I, I actually, I'm glad that you called that out because I don't think I've ever mentioned that before. Is that something I love looking up into the stars uh, and, and just thinking that there is no, just probability wise, there is no way that we are alone because there are just too many out there that we are not that much of an anomaly. Um, and to your point, it's like, man, there are trillions of stars out there, millions of galaxies or trillions of galaxies, whatever it might be. And it's just the possibilities are endless. 
Exactly. exactly. I, I love that, which actually is a, a great segue into one of my favorite questions, which is what are you curious about right now? Where the next five years are going to take me. Ooh. Uh, okay. It's going to be very interesting. This, this whole COVID thing, you know, I, some simple things and some deeper things. First, the simple, uh, Keith, you know, the managing partner here, he's older than I am. He and I were dead set. Everybody's got to be here. We got to collaborate. We all got to be one team in the same in the office. Uh, we've obviously shifted. Our team has been incredible. Uh, we've worked really well from home. Uh, and the product we're putting out is just as good as it was when we were here. But going back to what I was talking about earlier, being the only finance guy in a group of designers, I already was kind of on an island. And then COVID hit and I'm alone and I'm working in my basement or even I'm at the office now. I'm at the office, but I'm by myself. It's extremely lonely. It's extremely, I don't want to say depressing because I was never, I don't want to say I was depressed because I don't take anything away from the people who truly are. But it, it, the vibrancy, the energy, we just wasn't here anymore. This place was loud. It was just rocking. It was so much fun to be here. So I'm sitting here, made it through the summer, and I get into fall, and I'm really starting to feel down. I'm starting to feel just, I'm by myself. I'm doing this alone. Am I even necessary to this team? They're not calling me. You know, I'm, I do the billing. I get, get the money. You know, talk to them a few times, and I'm just feeling really alone. And you know, good Lord sent me what I needed and, you know, get this LinkedIn messaging one day from a coach. And just, you know, we had connected over the summer and looking back was kind of funny because we connected on my birthday over the summer. And so she wanted to do a call. And I just remember before the call thinking of all the excuses of why I don't need a coach. <laughs> and I had a list of them all. <laughs> Things I could say just, you know, and this little voice in the back of my head saying, you need this. And as we kept talking and kept getting louder and louder, you need this person. You need this person in your life, you know. So we got, you know, I, I hired her and it has been, you know, the one of the greatest transformations I think I've I've had just in, I don't know, it's four or five months. I mean. Julie is, you know, fantastic. And she's just opened up my eyes to so many things and looking back over my life, things I held on to that I shouldn't. So I do want to see where I'm headed in five years. But when I shed some of these layers that have been holding me back over the years, I just can't wait to see where I end up. And then the other is, you know, our special needs daughter, Mary. I mean, we've gone through a lot with her surgeries. She, before she was sick, she was hospitalized overnight 16 times, uh, multiple trips to the emergency room because she, she couldn't get out of her seizures. They had to give her so much medication. Uh, we had incredible doctors, incredible nurses. And that's one other thing I've learned over the years is trust, trust, but verify. And I think that came from my dad, you know? And we just trusted our doctors, but quite, you know, question just to be sure and it got to the point where the doctors we were just in sync with them and we actually at one point we were in the emergency room and 
we knew she was going to be fine and we wanted to go home. And then the emergency room doctors were, you know, no, she needs to stay overnight. This is what we need to do. Like, can you call our neurologist, Dr. Schwabi? And I, I still can remember his answer. Those are the Swensons. If they feel that she can go home, she can go home. They know best. Wow. And it was just like, yeah, I mean, it's just the relationship we had with the doctors was just, you know, it was that close that they trusted us and they knew that we knew what was best for our kids. So fight for your kids, whether they have special needs or not, you know, we are their greatest advocate until they're you know, 18, 19, 20. And even then, you know, you know they're, they're their yeah. best. Um, that, that's so amazing. And there's, I have so many questions that pop into my mind on that, but, but just again, as a father, you know, my, my kids are five and eight and, um, we were kind of talking about, okay, Hey, you know, there's college and all those things. But then I also look at, you know, I started this whole podcast with my dad and I was asking my dad questions, um, that I'd always wanted to ask. I just didn't ask. You know, and so the reason I bring that up in this space is to your point is like we can be their biggest advocate. And then at 18, they can really choose not to listen to us anymore. But it never and I think you would agree with this, because my parents still tell me how proud they are of what I'm doing and how I'm raising. So it's this cool full circle thing that just never goes away, no matter the age. Oh, exactly. I mean, my kid, you know, I, Alex is 26, her daughter Libby, 24, and then Mary, our youngest, at 20. And, you know, the relationship over the years and how it's changed. I mean, you're in that teaching them, keeping them alive <laughs> kind of thing. You know, now, two years ago, I spent a summer helping my son. He and his girlfriend bought a house. They're now engaged. And they awesome. tore it down to the studs and rebuilt it. I was up there almost every weekend, sleeping on his couch, helping him, you know, work on his house and it was you know I couldn't have been prouder I couldn't have been happier it was so much fun yeah we worked hard but just to be able to spend that time with my 20 uh, 24 25 year old son and just you know a lot of dads don't get to do that a lot of parents you know by that time you know either they're you know, they're healthy or they're older or they may not even be here anymore so you know, cherish every moment but you know, I love to hear you know, that your dad tells you he's proud of you. That's that's a lot, means a lot, you know. It really does. And always to your we're always parents, and they're always our parents, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, and um, I know that this you, you know, this will be familiar to you. That my my dad, I, I was joking um, with my wife. I said I think we've run out of PPP, and not the PPP that everybody's thinking about. I'm talking about the pandemic Pinterest projects. I think that we have finally run out of stuff to do in our house. At least maybe it's just me being hopeful right. that I don't have any more <laughs> moments of where she shows me the phone and goes, hey, can you do that? And of course I go, I think so, you know, but most of those have been with my dad. So my dad has kind of made it out here a few times over the past year through the pandemic. And it's been so great. We've worked our butts off, but we've done a lot of great work. The wood wall behind me. That was a Pinterest product project that we did, you know, last fall. So there's nothing better. No, you're right. You're right. What is something that you failed at? Until recently, you know, it was doing what was best for me. And I guess at times I felt, you know, having to take care of Mary and that I let my personal 
I don't want to say needs, but just my personal time. Not, you know, I've always wanted to buy a kayak and just not taking enough time to myself. And maybe, I don't know if that sounds selfish or not, but, you know, looking back, I guess I wish I would have taken more time to just do some of the things I wanted to do. Uh, but, you know, marrying that, it's, it was tough. But, yeah, I think it would have made our relationship, my wife's, my relationship stronger. We always thought we had to you know, do things together. And it was funny because I'd let her, she'd go, you know, she went with friends you know, on weekends. She she goes to the Packer games. Her parents have uh, season tickets to the Packers. Uh, and she goes with her friends to that. So, but it was just not, not recognizing that, you know, taking time for myself isn't being selfish. It actually will make your, you know, your uh, relationships stronger. So. Yep. But, you know, I'm so, only 55. I'm still young, so there's time. you got plenty of time, man. Yeah, it's not over. But what, what I'll say there, too, is, that, again, that was why I started this. And, and it's that stuff right there that uh, is something I had to get over, too, that it feels selfish for us to go hunting, for us to go hiking, for us to go golfing or whatever, if that's what, you know, if it's working out, whatever it is for our me time, where it's like, hey, I need to be, and that's what realized for me, for me to truly give, be the best father, the best husband, the best financial advisor, I need to fill my cup first. And that's not selfish. That's just so then I can give more because if my cup is empty, I have nothing to give. So that's when I'm honoring things like that. Um, So I'm glad that you kind of were like calling that out for all of us, you know, younger guys that don't do that. And here's the other thing I'll say too, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I do the same thing where if my wife says, hey, can I do this? Yes, go. Hey, can I do this? Yes, go. And the reason for me that I'm doing that is it's like I'm saving up for that trip or that thing that I want to ask for for the guys. Here's the rub. We never asked for that. Right. So that, that's where I think that for all of us guys out there that it's like, hey, if you are saving up and you're always saying yes to your spouse, and it could be both ways, it might not just be us dads, but if you're always saving up, saying yes to your spouse for you to do your own thing, but you never collect on that, um, that I believe is going to you know, be a crater in your relationship. Oh, sure. It'll build resentment quickly. Right. right. And so call that the call out there is for us guys or spouses who, instead of collecting on that, actually, you know, get the debit card out there and take some, you know, charges on that and go do your, do your thing that you've been wanting to do. Right. And it doesn't have to be huge things. I mean, you're not talking, you know, taking time to go travel Europe. It's just the little things in life. And I guess maybe that's the other big takeaway is, you know, so many we always think we have to do the big things or it's always, but it's just the little things, just a bunch of flowers or, you know, candy or something. Just a surprise means more than just, you know, some huge 50th birthday party or something like that. So. Absolutely. Um, funny story about that that I've never shared, but <laughs> for the longest time, my wife was like, don't give me any flowers because I'm allergic to them. And 
everything along those lines. And so on, you know, and then she also thinks Valentine's Day is, you know, get a kick out of this is a Hallmark holiday. Mm -hmm. um, and so she's like, don't celebrate that. Don't get me any of these things. Chocolates make me fat. It's all that kind of stuff. And then as it kind of built, went along, it was like, I'm not doing those little things. And then one day I, she just let slip that she's not allergic to roses. And I was like, oh, because I'm, I'm totally that romantic guy that I'll buy you flowers once a week just to see a smile on your face. Right. And so now I'll take the boys, you know, every couple of weeks or something like that. And we'll just show up with flowers just to just to give them to mom and, and everything like that. And uh, this is a, a I thought it was a Peyton Manning quote. And then from his retirement speech and then I Googled it and he borrowed it from someone else. But <laughs> I heard it from Peyton Manning. And it's that idea that you know, pay attention to the little things because looking back, they're actually the big things. Right. And so, you know, when I'm in the middle of the cooking and my son, my eight-year-old comes up and he's super excited to tell me something. And it's like, well, take yourself away and listen to that because that moment really matters. And as you know, they grow up quick oh, yeah. and you're not going to have those same moments now sleeping on your son's couch and remodeling his house is a pretty sweet moment it is it so is. They, they change over time right no you're right exactly take the time listen you know because like you said at that moment in an eight-year-old's mind there was nothing more important in the world <laughs> exactly and we should respect that so um, I know we, we talked a little bit about the fitness space. That's you know, one of my other big pillars. We have the, the mental fitness, we have the physical fitness, but it comes along with that. I always like to kind of dig into, you know, how we eat, diet, things like that. And when I say diet, I always, to me, we're not on a diet. A diet is the sum of all the foods that we eat in a day. That's from my nutrition minor all those years ago. <laughs> so do you pay attention to what you eat? What, what does that all look like for you? Yeah, I've started to a lot recently. I'll tell you one thing, retail is the worst job for a healthy diet. And especially when you own 10 stores and are traveling between them. I, don't I think I kept some fast food establishments in business myself. <laughs> uh, someone has talked to me about not eating at McDonald's or any fast food anymore. And I'm listening to that advice and <laughs> I, uh, haven't been to one in a while, but no, the diet is very important. And it's, you know, my age, I'm lucky. Nothing, food doesn't, no, I don't come across any food that really bothers me. I don't, maybe what that would have helped over the years, uh, but, you know, it does, there are days now that I know if I've eaten junk, um, we just remodeled our kitchen and I went up to, when they were redoing the floors with a dog and especially his daughter. We just went away and there's a place in Wisconsin called Door County. It's kind of the Cape Cod of the Midwest. And we just rented a house for four days. Well, one of the days we were driving around and I got back and I just felt like crud. Just, you know, stomach ache, a headache. And I looked back, all I had drank was Diet Coke and I'd eaten chips, M&Ms and uh, some beef sticks. And I'm like, well, you idiot. <laughs> no wonder you don't exactly. feel good. Wife just a few last months said, hey, you know what we should do a couple times? Let's just do a vegetarian. Now, being from Wisconsin, if it doesn't have cheese or meat in it, <laughs> you should don't eat it. <laughs> yes. You know, it's just things like that. I've, ne I've never been a big, I, I went on fad diets. You know, I've gone, learned, you know, had a, quite a few of them in my life come and go, but 
I, I just think, you know, you need a good variety. You need, you know, eat things you like, but in moderation. You know, we, we see, you know, in this country, we do overeat. Tempted to get rid of our big plates and just keep the dessert plates. And if we eat meals off the dessert plates, you know, that's probably the size of meal we need. <laughs> but that 16 ounce ribeye in the butcher's case looks so good. Looks so good. Um, it's funny. This conversation is, you know, not forcing me, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm compelled to share some things that I've never shared before, um, which is always fun. And, and to your point, um, if people ever come and eat at my house, um, and it's not a dinner party, I'll say, we generally eat on the salad plates. And I never, ever use our dinner plates. And the reason they did research on this, and again, this is the personal trainer in me, sure. that you know the plate itself has grown over time. And they did this experiment where they gave two lines of, or two groups of people at the same buffet, um, a big plate, and you only got one serving, or a small plate, and you could go back as many times as you wanted with the small plate. The people with the smaller plates still ate less. Sure. Because you're not trying to fill that plate. Plus, there's that whole scarcity mindset where it's like, hey, you can't go back. You only get to go once, so you better get everything. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I think that that's a, a great move to go to the smaller plates. And look, if, if you put the food on there and you eat it and you're still hungry, great. You know, that's one thing that my wife and I always talk about the Clean Plate Club that we grew up on, but I don't do that with my kids. Here's the food. Now, what's interesting too about the younger and the older one, um, the older one pretty much, pretty much eats anything we put in front of him. The younger one, of course, is the picky one. Right. And But I'm to the point now where this is what dinner is. This is what we're having. And if you don't want it, fine. And it was great last night for the first time ever. I said, hey, buddy, what do you want? And his older brother said, um, I want you know, salmon and, and some carrots and bell peppers. They said, great. And his little brother goes, I want chicken and broccoli. And I was like, what? And I was like, well, we don't have chicken. We have salmon and broccoli though. We can do that. He's like, okay. And he ate it up. So it's hard though, man. So that actually brings up a, a question here that I know your kids are older. So right. you're probably not doing this as often because they're not in the house. But rewind to, you know, when they're kind of in their younger age, five to eight, somewhere in there. What is one piece of leftover food that you would always eat off their plate? If you can remember. Right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I've always loved steak. And so, you know, any, any good uh, cut of beef, I'd love to eat off, you know, eat off their plate. But, uh, uh, I love it. Love yeah. it. Like I said, it's just kind of a, a fun one. So sure. do you uh, drink coffee, tea? No, like? I've never really gotten into coffee. Uh, my kids love it. Uh, but I never have, unfortunately... Uh, Diet Coke is my choice of drink in the morning, my wife and mine, <laughs> and that is one thing I will go back to McDonald's for, because they do have the best Diet Coke. Uh, and it's, <laughs> I have, that is one thing I found that does affect me. I don't drink any caffeine. My, my goal is after 12 o'clock in the afternoon on. I've actually found now that I drink about, you know, eight, nine ounce glass in the morning, and, you know, from then on, it's just little fashion water. You know, I used to drink, I mean, I remember college, you know, drinking, this was back when we had the glass quarts of Mountain Dew. Yeah. 
staying up all night to study, drinking <laughs> gallons of Mountain Dew. Uh, yeah, but no way now. Uh, caffeine just doesn't do it for me anymore. I, I try drinking past noon and then I just I can't sleep well. I'm too on edge at night and I just don't like the feeling anymore. But I know Diet Coke is not <laughs> a good choice. But, you know. It could be. It's better than Coke. Yeah, better than Coke, yeah. right. It doesn't have the sugar. Even though they're not sure about that, because some of that, some of that fake sugar is pretty bad for you. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, I, I don't, I don't want to bore the audience and go into the ins and outs of um, how fake sugar. That that's something. Like I said, I have an extra science degree, and and I dug into that kind of stuff. And and, and I I think that to your point, everything is good in moderation to a point, and I think there are better alternatives, and to you know the real you know, high fructose corn syrup and everything like that now. Now they call it corn sugar. I love, you know, you're in branding. I love how these companies rebrand <laughs> themselves exactly. and it's the same stuff. But again, a little bit of caffeine never hurt anybody. Uh, as a trainer for so many years, uh, I'm a coffee addict. Um, I really have to shut it down because um, I just enjoy the taste and everything like that. But, you know, changing gears a little bit here, I didn't want to start in this space in the financial fitness pillar because <laughs> two finance guys might just spent the whole hour talking exactly. about it. So I kind of saved it for the end here. Um, do you like to live within your means or do you like to expand your means knowing that you're a CPA? This, you know, Obviously the CPA would like to live within our means and everything's in balance, right? If it doesn't come to zero, <laughs> we didn't do our job. But you've got to expand your means. I mean, we only get one shot at this life. And if you're going to be limited by your finances, I've always looked at money as a tool. You know, so, you know, it seems like at times in, this, in our society, we keep it score by the money. Well, you know, money is a tool and you can't take it with you. You can share it. You can spread it around. I mean, you, you should be giving to charities and things like that, you know, things that you believe in. That was one thing that always threw me as a CPA is that you know, you're doing taxes and these people haven't given any of their money on you know, people making seven figures. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying you have to give to a church, but there's got to be something you're, you know, that you're passionate about. There's got to be some cause you can donate to. But so you should expand your means. You know, we're always looking to grow. But yeah, you're right. You can't, you can't mortgage the future just because you want to live it up now. And and I think that too, you know, especially being in finance as well, I, I never want someone to, when I say expand your means, I'm not saying take the credit card out and start charging things on the credit card um, and because you don't have the money. When we're talking expand your means, that's where invest in yourself, bring in more money, make sure you're, you're spending within your means so to speak, but then how can I continue to be my best self? That's the way I kind of see that. Yeah, I mean, due to people's taxes, you just see some really sad decisions. People emptying out 401ks or IRAs for something they think they need right now. And it's, you know, you, you can't, you know, most of us are going to outlive our, our money anyway, so. <laughs> what do you value most? Time. Uh, you know, that's one thing money can't buy. Uh, one thing you never get more of uh, is just, I mean, looking back those years in the Hallmark stars, I wish I, you know, 
they supplied a decent life. Uh, you know, I got to spend time with my brother and my dad, but I wasn't there for the kids for Christmas as much as I should have been. And for my wife too. I mean, she was doing a lot of it on her own. Uh, but yeah, time, I mean, time and just time with the family. It's, you know, the special needs daughter, you know, we never know what's going to happen. So it's just living in the moment and, and time. Love it. No, I, I really love it. And I think that I didn't ask this question, but just hearing where you come from, this, the perspective you have on life and, you know, living, you know, you didn't say it or you didn't want to say it, but day to day and things like that, just, it shows you what's important and why you do the things that you do. And so I think, you know, we can all really appreciate that and learn from that. Thank you. It is. It's, you know, you know we were blessed in 2001 with Mary. Uh, and yes, it's been a lot of challenges, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of, a lot of crying. Uh, but looking back, it's also brought us more joy, grounded us. You're just so grounded because it just, things don't matter. Uh, one of the things I love about it, joke about it is, uh, because she has epilepsy, we couldn't have Game Boys or anything like that in the house, Xbox. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we weren't completely against it, you know, but unfortunately we just couldn't have it because we were married. But the, you know, our son would have a sleepover and their friends wanted to bring an Xbox over and Mary's in bed and they're down in the basement. You know, yeah, they were playing with it. It's amazing. Kids will find, you know, a way to play, get, get their video games in. Kid, kid, kids are creative for sure. But it, it's really, you know, we had to change. We, we love to travel. Patty and I would travel all the time. You know, our, our trips change. We were blessed in 2011 to get a Make-A-Wish trip. She was going in for brain surgery. And after that, we got a Make-A-Wish trip. And you know that was just very humbling. Had a lot of fun. We went out to South Dakota because Mary doesn't fly. So we had to do somewhere we drove. We went out to the Black Hills of South Dakota. And we weren't the Swenson family. We were the Make-A-Wish family. And it was just wherever wow. we went. Well, the Make-A-Wish family's here, and it's just, it's just an incredible organization. But uh, things like that is, you know, just you get so grounded, your priorities change, and you realize what's really important in life. Uh, the huge house, the big car. Uh, we drove, we had two minivans that I was proud to say we almost got 200,000 on both at the same time. <laughs> there, oh, wow. That, that, that is that is impressive. All right. So I, I want to be you know, respectful of your time and things like that. And I got a couple more questions sure. um, and then, and then we'll kind of wrap it up from there. So as we, you know, are raised by our parents and things like that, we pick up common myths, misconceptions. This is about what did you grow up with when it comes with, you know, budgeting, investing finances that once you got older, was a big myth uh one that the biggest myth at all is debt is bad so my dad you know born in 1940 the end of the great recession world war ii back then they you, you didn't want to have any debt you wanted to pay things off as most as fast as possible now to a point that's true I mean, you don't want to carry credit card debt you don't want to carry stuff like that but a mortgage is fine it actually hurt us in business. And I wish looking back that I had fought him against a little harder against him. Because when we buy stores, he bought it with his own money or money saved up in the company. He never wanted to go to the bank, 
finance, maybe finance a third and use a two thirds of your own money or vice versa. So when late 2000s hit in that, he, we had used all our money buying new stores and didn't have a cushion. When cash flow crunch came, we didn't really have anything to fall yeah. back on. So the right type of debt is good. You, you need the right type of debt. And I'm sure I see you smiling there. So I, you know, like so I agree with you. The thought that I grew up with that all debt is bad is a huge fallacy. Yeah. And and that's actually a common one, honestly, that when I, when I ask that question to people, it is one. Now, again, I always look at compounding interest that you know, works in our favor. And this is an Einstein quote, it works in our favor in the markets and it works against us with credit card debt. And, you know, but when we're talking about cars and that's a whole nother side note that we could spend hours talking about, should you finance cars or not? Again, it's percentage, you know, if what, what, what are you paying interest wise? And is it something you could pay off? And it's that conversation. So final question that I love asking at the end, <laughs> is what is something that you thought I was going to ask, but I didn't? I don't know. I mean, I've listened okay. to both your podcasts and I knew you were gonna ask this question. <laughs> so, but no, I think you've covered a lot. And I took this a different direction today because of you know what you were putting out there to the world. So I, I really appreciate that. And I think so will the listeners. Well, thank you. It was wonderful. I really enjoyed this and it's it's nice talking about it. You don't, you know, I guess I, my story isn't as boring as I think it is. You know, I have lived an interesting it's, life. <laughs> it is definitely not boring. So final thing here is where can people find you? Where do you want them to find you? And, and we'll leave it at that. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm also okay. on Facebook and, and somewhat on Instagram. I try to stay away from those platforms, uh, especially day and age we're in right now. It's so divisive. Uh, but I do like LinkedIn. Reach me through my company's website, theold.com. Well, perfect. Thank you so much again. It was great to, to chat with you, Andy. And I know that people are going to love this podcast. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun and uh, you're uh, doing a great service out there. I love listening to them. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. This is your host, Dusty DeGroff. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Thanks again and see you next time.